The date is Friday, August 13th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. In this episode, we're talking about the 1998 film called The Truman Show. This movie has so much deeper meaning packed into just 90 minutes, and we'll attempt to hit all the points it raises, including simulation theory, celebrity worship, and Jim Carrey's excellent acting in a dramatic role. So enjoy. Come on, mother... Come on. Come on, mother... Come on. Come on, mother... Come on. Come on. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? It's another episode of Entertain This, your favorite show on the internet, encapsulating all things entertainment. It's entertaining this. Sorry, said that. Entertain this. Gosh, we are off our rockers. <laughs> it's a rough one. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't think you're allowed to say the F word that early in a YouTube video. No, you're not. <laughs> uh, I don't think that I did. But no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You hear that, YouTube? I didn't say the F word yet, yeah. but I will. Give it time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give it time. It will happen. As I was saying, another week has passed. We've uh, engrossed ourselves in a world polluted with entertainment, <laughs> and uh, it is unavoidable. We have all participated in it this week. It's an addiction that can't be fought because even by going, <laughs> you're participating. Even by going to counseling, you're still somehow participating in entertainment. It's on your radio. It's on your TV. It's down your hall. Don't turn around. It's right behind you. It's entertain this. That's an awesome intro. I should do <laughs> that was. one more often. <laughs> anyway, it's next week. He's going to take over. Uh, Nick, what you got for us this week? Do you guys even know what I'm talking about? Let's let's get that out of the way. No, no not only do too- I not know, I don't know if I want to know until you're like halfway through, and then I'll be like, oh, okay, I knew what this was. I'm still I'm still recovering from going like half cross-eyed from Alex's intro. So <laughs> my intros get more chaotic each week. My brain's That's tied up goal. like spaghetti. <laughs> Mom's spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. Yeah, we're getting all musical all right. today. Um, yeah. So Nick, why don't you just hop right into it? Let's just jump right into it. Um, mm-hmm. Hey guys, let's jump right into it. Let's jump right out of it. No. Okay, we can jump hey, in. Hey, shout kidding. out to Michael's mom for hitting us with that like on Facebook during our live stream right now. Hey-oh. Uh hi how you doing, Jacqueline? Hey. Hi. We're talking about the Truman Show. <laughs> <laughs> what a great topic. And I'm I'm pissed that you're doing it, because that means <laughs> I can't do it in the future. <laughs> It's okay. I scooped you, didn't it's I? It's okay. No, because I had never actually thought of doing it. I think I thought of doing it, but I never thought enough about doing it to actually do it. But it probably would have been one that I would have stumbled upon. So that's one off of my bingo card. So we're one now we're one week closer to ending this podcast. Anyways, let me just let me just jump right into it. Uh oh cool. Let me just start out by saying, in case I don't see you, uh good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That would have been a good closing line for this episode, but I guess we could start with That's it. That's what I'm going to end mm-hmm. into. Um, I'm your lovely oh, neighbor. it's going to be like a sandwich. <laughs> podcast host, <laughs> Nick. This is my show. And today something strange happened. Um, as I was walking outside of my house and I was driving to work, my mug of Folgers breakfast blend coffee, having a lovely breakfast of Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, Quaker Oats, and Tropicana Orange Juice, a uh, big old stage light, light fell out of the sky. How wacky is that? You see what I did there? Sounds like you're smoking wacky tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> she must be high as hell. Anyways, uh, I'm here to talk about a movie that came out when I was just a wee lad. 
But now that I'm older, I can really get into the meat and potatoes and appreciate it the way, way more, way more than the first time I watched it. And I think that's really what this podcast is about, is revisiting old movies that we watched when we were kids. We didn't really appreciate it. We go back and watch them again. And then it's like, uh uh-oh, there's a lot more here that I didn't pick up as a kid. So sit down and watch or listen to me. I ask you to entertain this episode about The Truman Show. Mm -hmm. So The Truman Show um, is stated as a psychological comedy drama film, and it's been analyzed as an exploration of simulated reality, existentialism, surveillance, religion, metaphilosophy, privacy, and reality television. That's a lot there. (laughs) And I'm going to do my best to discuss all those points with you guys, but I'll be sprinkling in little snippets of the plot back to kind of back up my thesis um, in typical thick neck fashion. We'll have to sail by some emotional mm-hmm. valleys. We'll soar to the philosophical mountains and take a quick stop at stupid joke junction before I park the train and somehow make this a cohesive episode. So really this film had no business coming out in 1999. Really it makes you question what was happening back then. Cause I mean, I was barely conscious, but you had films like Saving Private Ryan, Forrest Gump, and so many other classic films that were coming out during this time. It makes you really wonder what was going on in Hollywood in the late 90s. So Good things. All the best things, of yeah. course. Honestly, all of the movies that you just said are absolute quality bangers. Oh, <laughs> I was waiting for it. Is he going to say bangers? <laughs> he said bangers. I'm happy. Of course. <laughs> so let's say for the, for the sake of argument here that I'm an evil dictator or television producer, that they're really one and the same. But I'm running with complete control over some area of these beautiful United States. I got cameras everywhere. We got running water, trash service, you know, the basics according to SimCity. But you, lovely gentlemen, you live in my city. And I want to start my very own reality TikTok series with all of you. So what are some things that I can do to make the Alex Steele show as entertaining as possible while staying within the white bread sitcom framework of your typical 50s show like Andy Griffith? What are some things you can do to make the TV show interesting? Sure. I know how you can make it cheap, and that's by never letting me quit my goddamn job so you only have to worry about one daytime (laughs) set. You caught me. How dare you? (laughs) Never giving me a passport so I can't leave the country is another way to keep it cheap. I can make it cheap. Can I make it entertaining? Absolutely not. (laughs) Alex, if it makes you feel any better, my daytime set is my nighttime set. Uh, I never leave. I have a sitcom. You have a web series. uh, Ah! (laughs) Michael Savoy's show. (laughs) <laughs> oh god make it interesting i don't know give me a fucking kitten i swear i'm yelling at this new thing all all every day all day <laughs> telling it to stop biting my feet it's like herding cats isn't it the real question is what haven't you done yet <laughs> what haven't you done yet we've had the lawsuit we've had the uh the college days we had the high school years mm-hmm mm-hmm what part of the hero's journey am I on at this point? <laughs> You're on the slow decline and slip from actual reality. But I am too. What Nick's okay, saying is, Alex, you peaked. <laughs> let's let's go back to the scripted material, okay. huh? <laughs> That's okay. I'm there too. It's just going to happen, all right? I don't know. It's real anymore. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> ah! <laughs> let's get to the author's intention, shall we? Uh... 
because I think it's important to understand where the where the writer of the script is coming from in the first place. Because we can we can spitball back and forth about well, what does this mean? And maybe it's about meta philosophy and all this. But really, let's let's just put all the cats in the bag right off the bat, and then we can maybe uh, surmise and think about it a little deeper after on. So, Andrew Nichol, who is the show's writer and producer, started this uh, with a one page film treatment called The Malcolm Show. Now, I don't actually know what a film treatment is, uh, <laughs> so if anyone could tell me, that'd be much appreciated. Break it down. It means it gets treated like a film and then turned into a sitcom. But it's one page, so I'm like, I don't know. Um, but he stated the- pre- Hey, we have, a, we have a fact checker who's back from her hiatus, so maybe she can- Maybe she could figure out what the what exactly a film treatment means while we're talking about this. Yeah, I thought it was a chemical treatment. You're like you put the film in a bath because this is back in the days of film where they actually did one it. page film treatment. No, it doesn't make any sense, does it? A, a Polaroid, you dip it no, in a tank of yeah. acid or something. There's a master class on how to write a film treatment. <laughs> hey, you're not meant to be googling things. We have a person for that. <laughs> Hey, oh. speaking of which, welcome hey back guys. from your hiatus. It's Whoa. me, your girl. Tell the people where you where you've been, <laughs> Chloe. It's very interesting. All right. Well, I opened a show in Cincinnati recently. Um, it's my favorite musical, and everyone on the podcast has seen it now. So thanks mm-hmm. for the support, guys. So that's where good. I. What show is it? Yeah. Up. Are you allowed to say what treatment. show it is? Uh, sure. I'm doing Spring Awakening. I won't say hey, where. It's big lit. Yeah. Maybe you could do an episode on Spring Awakening in the future, since now you've been in it. Yeah, it's entertainment. It's dark, but it's entertainment. <laughs> it um, is, unfortunately. I, we, I find that we're more a podcast about not only entertainment, but expression in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so it still fits. Entertainment's yeah. not always fun. I mean, if we're if we're able to sit True. down and talk about like waiting for Godot, I think... I think or Spring inside. Awakening qualifies. Yeah. <laughs> We're ready for it. We're ironclad. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, a film anyway. treatment is a document that presents the story idea of your film before you actually write the entire script. So you can get it like greenlit. Mm. Interesting. Oh. So it's like an outline. Yeah. Right. You're like, hey, <laughs> I want to make this movie. Here's here's a pitch. Um, do you want to do this? And the producer's like, oh, okay, here's some money. And then <laughs> so his. You make a movie. So his one-page film treatment was literally like, what if we took an orphan and we stuck him in a box? <laughs> but the box is huge. And then I mail that box to myself, and then I smash it with a hammer. <laughs> I was thinking it's like, what, what if in Soviet Russia the TV watched you, you know? Oh, my God. Ooh. Kind of, That's, sort of. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. That's crazy. It's an old meme. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for the info, Chloe. Yeah, thank you so much. It's good to have her back. That means I don't have to look like an mm-hmm. idiot. Oh, wait, I do anyway. That's true. Um, <laughs> That's why we hired her is because we always, the three of us look like endless idiots. Endlessly. For your entertainment, of course. But yeah, he kind of stated the premise as, uh, I think everyone questions the authenticity of their lives at certain points. It's like when kids ask if they're adopted. So, hmm, that, that, you know, that's a, that's a little meat there. Uh-huh. But the OG script was seen by the director, Peter Weir, as too dark. So it was rewritten 12 times until finally it had enough lightness in it that it was palatable and believable to audiences. I think originally it started out as Truman having like a, a drinking problem and he was cheating on his wife and all this. Um, of course, this is before they cast Jim Carrey as the actor. So you can't imagine Jim Carrey being evil, you know, that's not, that's yeah. not him. Um, but, you know, 
we, we see it now as successful. So clearly the, the 12 rewrites actually helped in, helped to uh, make the film worth watching in some way. Mm-hmm. But it kind of started off as imposter syndrome, the movie, as he just said, and it ends in simulation three of the movie. But let's just talk a little bit about the plot, shall we? So I'll start off with some broad strokes here with my four inch brush, uh, just letting it happen like Bob Ross to fill in some wider interpretations. Then I think I'll go to my one inch brush to get in those details. And I promise okay. not to beat the devil out of it. You guys got the brushes? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a lot of Bob Ross for an episode that's not on Bob Ross. <laughs> I just like Bob Ross. Okay. Um, okay. I, lo- I love it. I'm not going to beat the devil out of it either. Okay. I'm not going to beat the devil out of the points, but, uh, you're doing it right now. <laughs> but let's remember. We don't make mistakes here. We have happy little edits. So why don't we get our big brush out? <laughs> he, Alex just hit his head on the mic, and I'm pretty sure it picked up. I hope so. <laughs> I want our audio listeners to know what just happened. Okay. <laughs> Let's get right into some meta-analysis green, okay? This is kind of a meta film. So what does that mean? It's a film about television programs that co-opt our enchantment and subsequent disenchantment with the media and kind of sell it back to us. So that's kind of messed up. (laughs) But wait, Mm -hmm. it always happens. And it shall forever continue, forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) Social media is ruining our lives, says the person on your Instagram feed. We need to highlight our commitment to diversity on our television series, says the white network executive. The bourgeoisie control the means of production, and furthermore, the small minority derives profit from the employing the working class through private ownership of the means of pro- oh, I'm sorry, wrong meeting. Anyway, says the person on the internet podcast, I think <laughs> this movie has something to say about celebrity worship, too. Uh, it's evidenced in the film with people wearing these buttons on their on their chests, like almost presidential electric, election type of buttons, like, we love Truman, save Truman. They have t-shirts, they have merch. Um, let me just make this visible for the camera. Uh, but people are going crazy about this show and some people are just outraged about it too. It's just, it's, it's part of this money-making machine that I think the film highlights. Uh, we haven't made a dime so far, but (laughs) maybe with some help and a little bit of selling out, you too can help us make a penny. Nick. I am lost. I'm, yeah. And I've seen this I I have seen this movie <laughs> about 10, maybe 15 times. Uh-huh. But you're getting so meta that it's breaking my <laughs> being. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know like I don't know if you, <clears throat> if anyone actually watching this right now just saw like Alex and I both just like completely disassociate for like the last <laughs> 3 minutes. <laughs> I'm just trying to sell some Basically merch. What we're what we're getting down on is in this world, everyone either loves Truman or hates Truman. Yeah. And in the outside world, it is a moral dilemma as to whether or not you enjoy Truman because he is this honest character who's an everyman who you can project onto, mm-hmm. or you hate Truman because you realize that he's a real man who is trapped in a prison built specifically for right. him. Yeah. That's kind of what it's and also buy our merch. We have a Redbubble yeah, store. Yeah, buy our merch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, it, it's it's a meta show because, or a meta film, because it comments on- And this is a meta episode. This is a meta episode. Very good. Um, 
in, in that same vein, it's it's the it's the reaction of the audiences that is sold back to the audiences, a different audience. Um, come to think of it, that doesn't make too much sense to me in the first place. But you're saying that the Truman Show has an audience, yep. and then the audience watching the Truman Show has an audience in us watching the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And okay. that's the meta. There are too many boxes. Let's stick it. <laughs> let's stick to two boxes. We don't need to talk about the outside world, outside of the movie, until the end, maybe when we're analyzing it with the real world. But we don't need to get into that. It got too many boxes. Get too many cooks. Get get them out. Get them out. Get them out. Um, yeah. What do you guys think about the whole celebrity worship thing? Is is that something you guys take part in, or? Now that's an interesting point when looking at this film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it funny. Uh, here's a little anecdote. Uh, I recently discovered that Kanye West used to be a uh, guest service manager at The Gap before he was famous. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there are pictures on the internet of Kanye West staring dead-eyed into the distance in his like Gap customer uniform um, and like trying to help people and giving them this like blank stare like you're you're killing me inside right now. <laughs> As he does. I like I like that side of celebrities more than like their like public appearances or like them trying to like make themselves these undying gods of pop culture because that tells me that like the world can accept people like that into that world and that's promising. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. now when it comes to being that person on the other side who like warships quote-unquote i'll use like the taylor swift fandom gently as an example because they are some they are vicious on twitter Mm -hmm. they will take you down so fast um like to look at someone and think of them as anything other than in celebrity form like a way of sort of expressing your own feelings Mm -hmm. Once you start seeing them on a level of like, oh, it's not about me. I just love her. That's when it starts to feel a little toxic. And a lot of singers have written songs about like their toxic fans and how scary those fan bases can get. Eminem is one of them. I mean, he wrote Stan about literally a stalker. Um, and it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I guess like for a long time. Like growing up, you kind of just naturally fall into like celebrity worship just because like outside of your parents, like who do you got? What? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, what are the role models do you have? Like for me, like I had celebrity worship with like Ken Griffey Jr., the baseball player. Yeah. I remember I had uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kobe. Like for me, it was like because like sports were so prominent for me, like my celebrity worship was all like athletes. Um I guess like if I were to pick like any sort of like movie like star, I guess it would probably be Tom Hanks who like, I guess still (laughs) fall into that. You just grew up with them. It's hard. Yeah. Right. And it's just one of those things where it's like, it can be super harmful, not only for like the rabid parts of the fan base, but also like for yourself, like what happens when you put someone up on this pedestal, but that pedestal was made of toothpicks mm-hmm. and like, it turns out like one of them, like a bunch of them have been rotting for a very long time. You find out that the person you looked up to was a horrible bag of shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I think another point to kind of hit on one that I just thought of when trying to reach the root of this um, conversation is that a lot of times when you find those people who are like uh, worship, like worshiping these celebrities, it's because it comes from a place of loneliness and trying mm-hmm. to find someone to connect to without like the effort and stress of actual like person on person relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's being able to have a relationship with someone and have somebody open up to you, whether they be acting, singing, um, making a podcast. Mm-hmm. And those people can't see you, but you can see them. So it's like a third person friendship that is maybe easier to take care of than like an actual friendship. Or maybe if an actual friendship isn't something that's readily available to you, um, say that you just have a hard time making friends or you're antisocial it's so much easier to turn to just for example, a podcast, three friends who are just sitting around talking about entertainment. And for that hour that they talk, you're like, Oh, I'm there too. Oh, I have these three friends too. Um, and that makes it all the more painful when like you find out one of them are toxic, like you were saying, Michael, cause it's like, Oh, I thought I knew these people. It feels yeah. like a betrayal, even though it really isn't. It's just something that you built in your mind. I think in, in the movie Truman show, that is the biggest demographic for the Truman Show is people who are lonely, mm. people who consider Truman to be a friend to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, there is um, there's that scene in the... Di- it keeps going back. It c- cuts between people watching the show. I know what you're... The one in, like, the bar with the TV yeah. playing in the background and all the people are watching it like it's a sporting yeah. event. I think they actually turn off a sporting event to turn on the Truman Show. Yeah. In this universe, <laughs> the Truman Show is a big deal. Um, yeah. Or so it's made out to be, but at the same time, there's these people that fall asleep with the show on. Like there's some dude in the bathtub just chilling with it. So I guess <laughs> TVs and bathtubs used to mix back then, but that's beside the point. But he's just sitting there and he's he's falling asleep. He has a glass of wine or whatever, and it's just on. And if I remember correctly, there are also two old women who like are sitting together yeah. on a couch and they're like bundled up they have merch. and they just love hearing about like what Truman's gotten into today, like. <laughs> It's like it's their grandson who they're like trying to keep up with, you know? Yeah. I guess that's kind of the bright side of celebrity worship. It's um, providing, oh, there you go. It's it's some sort of entertainment, but it's also like, like you said before, it's finding a friend. Maybe you didn't have. I, I want to frame this episode because I think something is really interesting. It's something we can keep in mind as we're talking about this. This, like you said, was made in, I believe, 1999, right? 1998, yeah. So this was in a time where the internet was still brand new. Mm -hmm. Chat rooms were like just starting to take off. Um, Cell phones, I don't think had text yet. People were still using pagers. So phone calls was really the only way you got in touch with people. Mm -hmm. And other than that, you had the people who were on TV or you went and you saw people in person. And that was how you got like your face-to-face contact. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's important, number one, because it does put it in a light of a place where, like, the TV is the only way to, like, feel like you have company when you're alone late at night. Mm -hmm. There's no way to check Facebook. But also, it's important to note that a lot of the messages that this movie carries, they were made for a world that didn't have, like, live streaming or Facebook Live or TikTok live where you sit there for three hours and watch a guy try to make a ping pong ball into a cup. <laughs> those those didn't exist when this movie was made. 
But I think the messages of this movie carry so well into like the YouTube generation that um, that it just proves how timeless this movie and this message can be. Oh, yeah. So let's keep that in mind as we move forward for sure. Yeah, it's it's almost like there's this thing. Um, well, I led you right to one of my points. So so pat on the back for me there, I guess. But <laughs> I led the sheep to the rabbit rabbiting. The rabbiting hole, the watering hole. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> the hell is a rabbit? Uh, but this this film was made like two decades ago, almost, right? If I were Chloe, I would so abuse the fact checking power because the second you said what what the hell is a rabbit, I would have been in there. I would have been in there like, here's what a rabbit is. But she's so kind, so she only pops up when like we have actual quarries. Yeah, but hats off to Chloe. I would, I would abuse the shit out of that. It's a mammal, you. Idiot. <laughs> but back then, I think the Truman Show seemed kind of preposterous, right? Everyone watching this one dude just live his life all unrealistic and we laugh about it now. But you, you look back on it and it's like, uh-oh, now people are taping themselves all the time. Now people have cameras and they live stream and they do chat rooms and mm-hmm. <laughs> other things you can do with your they phone. They make weekly podcasts. Yeah. Like we're stars of our own Truman show, I guess, but yeah, there's, there's this thing where we take mundane objects like food and we send it across cyberspace. That's something that didn't exist in 1998 or 1999. What the hell are you talking about? Like DoorDash? It's, it's, it's an Instagram thing where you take a picture of your food and you post it and it's like, oh, I'm food posting. Oh, oh you, you meant like figures of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just think about it. It made it sound like we were shoving food into our CD-ROM drives <laughs> and they were somehow transferring <laughs> through the we're internet. We're not supposed to be doing that? <laughs> no, you're not supposed to feed your computer after midnight. But or the donut looks so angry. much like a CD. <sighs> I just uh, forgot. If you eat the middle of the bologna first, it fits right in. I get <laughs> it. Mm. People don't try that. Don't ruin your computers. Ah, yeah. My, Nobody's my computer was... has a CD-ROM drive anymore, idiot. Mine does. My MacBook 12 from 2012 it's... does. Yeah, so does mine, but I dropped it, so now it's a paperweight. <laughs> now my paperweight has a CD drive. Big goof. <laughs> Anyways, you can probably find a live stream of paint drying on YouTube, and there'll probably be 1,000 bored souls watching it right now. So I think... It's all too easy for me or any one of us to just put our old man pants on and say, well, they just don't make content like they used to. But come on, that's never really true, right? The director, Peter Weir, declared, there has always been this question. Is the audience getting dumber or are we filmmakers patronizing them? Is this what they want or is this something that we're giving to them? But the public went to see my film in large numbers. So... Mm. At this point, it kind of brings up the chicken and the egg argument. Which which of these existed first? Was it was it the dumb audience first, or was it the dumb content? I disagree with your argument. <laughs> okay, let's. I, get I into disagree it. with the premise of your argument as a whole. Okay, I'm not saying anything. And dumb. everyone was shocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, take it out. Um, let's see it. I don't know. I I I don't think it's necessarily that use that audiences are getting dumber or anything like that, or that the content's being made to suit dumber audiences sure. or whatnot. Like, like I feel like that's kind of putting the cart before the horse. Um, yeah. Putting your old man like, pants on. <laughs> right. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, there's plenty of movies out there that are arguably to a much higher level of artistic in, interpretation 
than what was even physically possible back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like you take a look at like even some of the biggest classics, like, I mean, um, psycho, the horror movie is a fantastic one where it's one of those things. Like at the time it was like frightening. Mm -hmm. And then you go back and watch it now. And it's just like, uh, it's kind of just like a goofy, (laughs) it's cliche son. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, it's not even that it's cliche. It's like, you just look at like how it's being made and it's like, yeah, I get what you're doing, (laughs) but like, it feels, it feels kind of patronizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things where it's like, I think it's not necessarily that audiences are getting dumber or that the content being made is dumber and trying to find a dumber audience or anything like that. I think it's more so uh, that we know what drives profits. We know what sells and we know what people are going to be driven by mm-hmm. uh, to go mm-hmm. out and actually see movies and films and TV shows and music and everything. It's all just trying to find whatever the current trend is. And a lot of the times that just gets watered down yeah. into a something that presents itself as being a little bit dumber. Yeah. So it's really easy to, to just be like, just dismiss everything. But really, it's like the movies mm-hmm. are catering to us because it's what we mm-hmm. want to see. Yeah. Right, and it's not even that. It's it's what we will go see. It's yeah. not even what we want to see. It's what we will go see. Well put. Mm-hmm. So to kind of support the argument with evidence, I would even argue that audiences are getting smarter, mm-hmm. and for that reason, a lot of these movies don't work. Yep. Um, you see them try to revive franchises like Dumb and Dumber, for example, <laughs> if we're going to talk about Jim Carrey. Um, or like you can see the the careers of these actors who are known for these comedic um, movies like your uh, Mike Myers, for mm-hmm. example, your Eddie I mean, Jim, Jim Carrey, even mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy. Um, these sort of slapstick idiot roles in these comedy movies, they just don't sell anymore, so they don't make them anymore. Um, I would even argue that uh, we were seeing Will Ferrell, who was like the king of these movies for a time <laughs> in the late 2000s. Um, he has converted into being just simply a producer of like Netflix original series and stuff like that. He owns Funny or Die, if you guys didn't know that. Oh. Um, so all of the Funny or Die content goes through Will Ferrell, and that's kind of how he gets he gets his his rocks off now, if you would. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but most of our comedy is coming now from TV series and like short Netflix series like comedy shows where it's like skits and they're all fast paced. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing like a slow decline in viewership for like Saturday Night Live is because the stuff that they're doing just isn't hitting anymore mm-hmm. the way that it used to. No, I think at the end of the day, it's just like one, maybe one or two skits per episode. If that, that get like widespread notoriety mm-hmm. or think about it, even that reach me because I live under a rock and you know that, but when, <laughs> when you have a skit, like the presidential debates, like they had last year, that got to me. Has anything else that they've been doing recently got, Hey, that was also Jim Carrey. That was also Jim Carrey. <laughs> this episode's about Jim Carrey. He came out of retirement to do that. It really is. Which sucks, because I, sh- I for sure should be doing that episode. <laughs> Fuck. I'll shut up about Jim Carrey now. Um, nah, it's okay. Go ahead. Anyways, uh, it, it's it's one of those things to, to bring up reality television one more time, because people like to say that this film kind of started reality TV. 
Um, of course, that's not the truth. Uh, there's plenty of other quote unquote reality television series before this movie came out, but this is when, this is right before the time when things like Big Brother, things like Survivor, The Bachelorette got really big. So people looked at this film and they're like, well, that's, that's where the reality TV started. And that's ignorant. It is. It is kind of, um, but it's like, cause this is a movie about why reality TV is a bad idea. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then they did it anyway. So <laughs> it's kind of crazy like that. But I, I think a lot of people like to point to reality television and say they like to poo poo it. You know, they put their nose up in the air at it, but really these kind of shows are drawing huge audiences that other kind of television series can't draw. Take, take for instance, the history channel, when I was growing up, the history channel used to be about history and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Like think about modern Marvels, uh, who killed Hitler or whatever the show was, but, <laughs> and there's next one Hitler for the episode, <laughs> but I enjoyed the hell out of history channel. And then they started getting into, I, I don't know, tail into the two thousands. I want to say is when they started doing the pike, the pawn star stuff. And then that mm-hmm. evolved into duck dynasty. And then that evolved yep. into like American pickers and all this other stuff. It's just, because what did people watch? Exactly. What did the ratings show? Exactly. The ratings show that yeah. like, hey, people are loving this reality TV stuff. Why don't we do more of Storage that? Wars. Storage wars. <laughs> yeah. It's not even that like people necessarily loved like that love this stuff. It's that they loved it just more than the actual history. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people like me. And the actual history was iffy at best. <laughs> I want to say the History Channel is corrupt, and I don't. Like it, but we can move past <laughs> they it. They got corrupted by the, by the views. I think, and I don't like it personally. Nick, Nick, before before they started doing reality TV, do you know how many History Channel documentaries claim that Nostradamus knew everything about the future, <laughs> and now they don't make those at all? Once Nostradamus was proved like completely batshit crazy, oh, yeah. they just dropped it, and they actually took off all the Nostradamus documentaries from all of their streaming services to prove that like, <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they're they like, we never said that. That was but not us. We're, we're a reliable source and you should also buy our magazine. <laughs> I saw it starting to take a downhill dip when they started doing the ancient alien stuff. But even then, that was pretty entertaining. I'll say that much, even if it is based on nothing. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'll get off my I have a question. I have a question kind of on a similar topic. Okay. <laughs> Does Discovery Channel still do Shark Week? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a holiday. Okay, good, good. Okay. I take off a week of work to watch Shark Week. Are you kidding me? You work from home. I'm kidding. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I know people that do, though. <laughs> They're all about Shark Week. Sharks are nice. Don't. Yeah. Don't. Well, it was just like, I was thinking like Discovery doesn't really do like Mythbusters no. or any of the like uh, uh, the taxi like one. Uh, <laughs> Crazy taxi? No, that was a uh, cash cab. Cash Cab, that's the one. Cash like, Cab was so cool. That was a, it was I so like good. They also used to do like Dirty Jobs yep. and like all those all those really cool shows that I grew up with. That like now are just like that's not what they do anymore. They don't do it because they don't pay money. Yeah, you know exactly. It's like people just were more interested in the other stuff. Yeah, I don't even know what Discovery Channel does anymore because I don't have cable. I don't know either. Um, it's kind of sad, but you know we like to watch reality TV. And why do you think that is? I, I think it's a little bit of voyeurism in a way, because we like to see uh, what's going on in this house. How do people like, we know it's not reality. We know this is not how people actually act, interact with one another, but take for instance, shows like big brothers where they have the entire house wired up with cameras. 
I think there's something to that because we like to see what people do. Well, yeah, like Big Brother's just like a big social experiment. <laughs> so, <laughs> social experiment long gone as, wrong. <laughs> it's not even like it's di- designed to do exactly what they tell you to. It creates, set up a goal with a bunch of crazy people that you shove into a, into a, like a few rooms together. And it's like, cool, what's the output? People go nuts trying to win money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's let's get into it, though. Let's get like deep in the nitty gritty. I think there's something to liking being able to to watch something that you feel like maybe you're not supposed to Ooh, mm-hmm. um, train wreck and let's let's throw it back to 2007 when little alex got his first uh ipod touch <laughs> and one of the first apps that he downloaded was just an app that had a bunch of live feeds from security cameras like any <laughs> open open access security cameras and i would just pick a security camera and just watch it for hours and like see people passing through a street in Montreal yeah. or like just like watch a security camera in a random park in Australia <laughs> and just and some of them were you could take over and remotely control the security camera That's pretty neat. while you were watching it was it legal I don't know is it still out there probably not but I loved it when I was a kid because I got to see things that maybe I wasn't supposed to in different parts of the world it was before live streaming so it was the closest thing that I had yeah um now the question is what's the entertainment value in that it's number one seeing things that maybe you're not supposed to see like uh, the same as for big brother <laughs> like you want to see these people in their like primal states in their state of beings that they try to hide from everybody because the show is captures them 24 hours and highlights those times where you're like oh this person's being a piece of shit or like oh this person's being very sweet Mm -hmm. this is like a straight iv into humanism and to understanding human traits well and i mean Um, what's what's really the, the difference between something like big brother and something like jeopardy like um, Under the core, the- they're both game shows. They're both game shows where it's a set of uh, a set of not combatants, but competitors trying to solve the puzzle to win money. Mm-hmm. But really, the big difference there is you take away the set, you take away the host, you just try and make it as close as possible to what you can show to be a true human experience in quotes. Hmm. If. If Jeopardy had a rule where you could deduct points from other players by making them cry, I think you would have a point. <laughs> Ken but Jennings has raised his ear. <laughs> I, and I think that there is I think that there is a Venn diagram that can be made where Big Brother and Jeopardy fall in that middle category oh, yeah. for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but I would say there is a huge difference between those shows and the fact that in Jeopardy, the people who you watch on Jeopardy get to portray themselves as whoever they want. And most of the times it's people without personalities who are basically human computers. Um, nobody walks away from Jeopardy and you think like, oh, that guy was a dick or like, oh, I actually personally hate that guy. Now I have a vendetta against him. <laughs> there have been a couple, I'm There's sure, been a couple, like, yeah. on <laughs> game after game. But hey, guess what? Then they invited them back to host the show. So guess what? There's there's no fucking justice. But um in Big Brother, you win the game by doing that shit. You don't lose it. You don't like lose fans by doing that shit. Mm-hmm. You gain fans. It's expected. Yeah. People It's it's cuz the, the rules have changed. The rules changed. Like it's a different yeah. game, but the premise is the same. 
people join teams when it comes to Big Brother. They're mm-hmm. like, well, I'm I'm team this person. I'm team that person. And no matter how flawed that person is, if you're on their team, you'll devote yourself to them. And furthermore, it it sort of uh, pumps up the uh, social value of these shows because now your like personality is based on whether or not Janet from <laughs> Big Brother ends up winning it all. That way you can say, like, I have great character taste. I can tell who a winner is from a mile away. Um and and other people who are in that same boat as you become your your uh, sort of co-conspirators mm-hmm. in this big game that you're yeah. playing. So it's as much social as it is entertainment. Yeah, there's a little yeah, bit of celebrity sure. worship in there too. Yeah, it's like I remember like the biggest debate of like my childhood around like my like family and their friends and everything was like Clay Aiken <laughs> or Ruben Stuttered. <laughs> Which one Mm. are you on? Like, which team are you on for American Idol? (laughs) Oh, and like, and that was like a huge thing back then. And that was like when reality TV was at like its heights. Yeah. American Um, Idol was another one of those shows that was really popular. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, And it's all about like, you get like these behind the scene looks and who's the person behind the microphone and like, what is their shtick? And then, yeah, and then it all ends up like texting your vote or calling your vote <laughs> in those days because it wasn't really text. I think those votes are rigged. That's just, you know, this is my yeah. personal two cents. But yeah, they tell like the heartwarming backstory. He grew up in a rural town in Alabama and now he's here singing his heart out. <laughs> you can, you know, surmise about it. But uh, yeah, great points, you guys. I think that uh, getting back to the Truman Show here, because that is a show about watching people, watching Truman go about his daily life, mm-hmm. how he interacts with certain people. And he's really just a, he's a doll baby for lack of a better word. He's always smiling. Hello neighbor. Uh, how are you today? Um, but Andrew Nichol, the show's writer, once again, commented on reality TV by saying, when you know there is a camera, there is no reality. So in that respect, Truman Burbank is the only genuine reality star because he did not know there were cameras. Like, just imagine it. it. As soon as you know you have a camera pointing at you, your personality is completely different. Me, not so much, because I'm used to it. But <laughs> it seems like a no-duh no moment there, because it would be foolish to say that people don't act any differently. It's it's the phrase of, like, the, the, the tree falling in the forest, and nobody's around to hear it. Does it make a sound? Mm-hmm. Well, of course. We, we all know this, but... But does it matter? It, does it matter that it made the sound? Yeah, because nobody's around to hear it, but... <laughs> How do you know that? Uh, I That's why I like our podcast is because we may be flawed to the fact that we don't change who we are on mic. And someday that might bite us all in the ass. But we are all 100% genuine when we hit these microphones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one heard it. No one heard the tree fall in the forest. People are hearing our voices, but we don't we don't know we're talking. Anyway, if if three white guys make a podcast and no one ever listens, does it give do, does anyone give a fuck? <laughs> That's a good question. I think the answer is no. Trick question. Even if people listen, no one gave a fuck in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> guys, we're getting too meta. Stop it. <laughs> but anyways, let's get back to like the the one of the big points here, which is uh, outside of celebrity worship, it's it's kind of like this thing of. Um, there's no privacy. There's this, there's this 
air of throwaway culture that's imbued into it. And I think it's really just good old fashioned Americanism, if I, if I may make a new word here, but, uh, people fall asleep during the show. It's very groundbreaking idea at its inception, but after a while you kind of get used to it. It kind of becomes like, oh, it's just the Truman show. It's always on. It's always going to be on. It always has been. So why wouldn't it always be on? It's kind of like that thing of object permanence, but entertain. This is a show. It'll always be on, right? Uh, can be. Can be if you want it to be. They got, they've got they got 75, over 75 hours of content. They can leave it on for as long as they want. <laughs> Please mm-hmm. do. Uh, but there's this thing where, uh, more, more to the point of like Americanism, is there's the thing where they force ads into everything. There's a weird thing in the, in the film where Truman's wife will look at the camera and say, wouldn't you like some Ovaltine? And she'll display the product in her hand and smile at the camera. It kind of breaks the simulation a little bit there, doesn't it? But it's this yeah. thing. I I want to harper back to a previous episode of Entertain This where we talked about um, the different movies that came out of the Saturday Night Live crowd. Okay. Mm. I almost think this is an exact parody on those 80s <laughs> movies where like they would just bust into product placement. They do. For like <laughs> a long time. This almost feels like a joke on that where it's like, look at how dishonest this feels now. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be fair, the Truman Show like cranks that up to eleven because they're they're like staring directly at the camera, making full eye contact and basically doing an ad read. Uh yeah. But let's let's get to our favorite topic here, which is simulation theory. As Woo! Oh, yeah, we're finally gonna do it. <laughs> Let me define it real quick in case somebody doesn't know what simulation theory is. It is a proposal regarding the nature of existence. All of the current existence that humans know, including Earth and the rest of the universe, could in fact be an artificial simulation. Some versions rely on the development of simulated reality, a proposed technology that would be able to convince its inhabitants that the simulation was, in air quotes, real. So how would we even know that if, if we weren't real? Yeah. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't know if you were real. How how are you gonna know if you're real? Prove it. So I understand what simulation theory is just as a concept, so I'm gonna not uh <laughs> go off of that information. Um the idea of simulation theory is like Sims. If we're able to create a simulation, uh then it is almost impossible that we're not ourselves a simulation. Right. And then we don't know how far the rabbit hole goes. Once you put a mirror next to a mirror, it goes on into infinity. So who's the original universe? It doesn't matter. Does anything matter? Who knows? Can we break the simulation? Who knows? That's what the matrix is about. <laughs> um but furthermore, uh when it comes to just like generalized simulation theory, the idea is uh, like and it harpers back to free will, you know? We talk about it so much on this show that it's we could call ourselves just the free will podcast, but we don't. <laughs> um, so much of entertainment has to do with free will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but especially this, it's like, are your choices really yours if they were created by somebody else? You know? Right. Yeah. I kind of liken this to the, the Sims game. The Sims games we all played when we grew up. Yeah. Grow up. When we grew up. up. Yeah. Uh but it would be like if my player could stop putting me in a pool without a ladder when really it's because I didn't buy a ladder for the pool in the first place. So therefore I'm stuck in the pool. It's <laughs> like, who, who's really controlling my life? Cause it sure as hell ain't me. That's kind of where we're thinking of with simulation theory. Um, there's somebody 
looking down upon us and they're playing the Sims and they're making us pee our pants when we can't get to the bathroom and that sort of stuff. So yeah, it has a lot to do with free will too, because how do we make choices if all our choices are being made for us? Mm-hmm. And I think the Truman Show really goes to show that because he's trying to escape from this island that he lives on, but he's he's just flooring it in a car, booking it down the highway as fast as he can. And then there's, the bridge is out. Well, you can't go across the bridge, it's out. So he ramps it <laughs> or he finds a different bridge. I don't remember exactly how it goes, but then there's a forest fire. Oh, you can't go down the road. There's a forest fire. Drives right through it. <laughs> it's like, there's all these barriers that try to stop him from escaping when he has to spend all his life in the reality. Cause it turns out he's in a giant dome. He's in a, basically mm-hmm. a, a biodome television studio that, um, it's kind of his world. That's his simulated reality. Um, but it's this thing of, let me get back to uh, everything being superficial, really, because Truman's kind of in this bubble where everything is directly designed for him. And I think you could tie that into with the social media world of today if you wanted to. Scenes of white worm and Instagram comes to mind, but all television takes place on a set. Photos of social media are, edits, are edited to hell and back and shot on a well-lit set. And maybe... Maybe our lives are too, in some sort of way. I don't edit any of my photos because there's nothing to edit. Uh, but the phrase from Shakespeare comes into mind, which is, all the world's a stage, and the men and women are merely players. So when you think about it like that, it's, well, of course, the world is a stage. Truman's world is a literal stage, and people watching it are the, merely the players. And I think that's really kind of the reality television argument in a nutshell. So let's get to the point of ignorance is bliss because after all it is because the less you know, the happier you are. Let me ask you a question here. Why does what's real even matter in the first place? Why do we want to know the nature of reality? Okay. Just to (laughs) confirm ourselves. I mean, it's, you're asking such a big question. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's validation. It's validation of like what we do, why we do it. Like if if our own reality is an actual reality, then everything that we do is meaningless and who then therefore who we are is meaningless. Mm -hmm. Which a lot of people aren't ready to accept. Mm -mm. Yeah. I mean, I'd be happy just accepting reality the way I receive it. Isn't that it's good enough for me? You see things that are in front of you. That's it's real enough for me. Yeah, it's my reality. So I'm going to act upon it. It can be whatever I want it to be. But it gets to the point of why does truth even matter? You could just live in the bliss of not knowing reality your entire life and probably still be okay. You could live in a giant television studio bubble and you'd probably be fine. Truman was fine with it to a point until he wasn't and tried to escape. And now, now that we've gotten all that painted out, I'm going to bust out the one inch brush. We're going to go right into some trauma, childhood trauma yellow. Now, I kind of grew up being a sheltered kid. So this film really does resonate with me in particular. Um, and yet I'm kind of at that weird stage where I can see both sides of the, of the sheltering debate and the parental uh, parenting debate in a, in a weird way. Surely we don't want seven year old kids walking around swearing and beating things up and stabbing things to see if they bleed. But at the same time, I think that's part of learning. 
Of course, our parents don't want their children to get hurt in any way, whether emotionally or physically, or do something stupid. But once again, that's kind of part of being a kid. It's the process of falling down a tree, breaking a leg, scraping your knee that makes you less likely to play Tarzan again. Because mistakes are one of those things that you can truly call your own. And to that point of learning how to be an adult, Truman in the movie learns from an early age not to travel outside of his own town when his dad is killed out on a boat during a storm. So as a result of that, he has this fear of water. He can't go out on the open seas, the open ocean, because he knows like, hey, my dad died out there and it was really traumatic. So it's that sort of thing that's kind of written into the show because they obviously don't want him leaving the set. Mm-hmm. But really, this kind of youthful ignorance to the rest of the world is America in a nutshell. It's the act of pushing all the world's woes away and just going about your daily activities without a care in the world. And I think that's really what the American dream is all about. It's the uh, it's the old phrase of like, you know, F you, I got mine. I got the white picket fence. I got the pastel painted home. On the cul-de-sac, I got a nine to five job. I got 2.4 kids and a shiny new car. And I'm not just mentioning the American dream here for shits and giggles because believe it or not, it's in the film right under your nose. Truman kind of lives this dream because he has this nice seaside cottage. He's got the wife. He's trying for a baby. Who knows if he'll come out. Um, and he's got a car. He's got a great job. He's living the dream. But if it's, it's not like it's, it's Truman is reflective of, of the fifties. If I may make another statement here, because you all know, Harry Truman was president of the United States from 1945 to 1953. And people like to reflect on those days as the good old days. People see the fifties as, Oh, gas was a nickel and the American dream was alive and well, but really, I mean, we can go back to the, uh, we can go back to the mm-hmm. Knives Out episode and we can show that, hey, the American dream isn't live and well anymore. Not as it wasn't, but before then. Uh, but I think we need com- conflict too. I think that's what humans were designed for. There's an essay published in the Inter- International Journal of Psychoanalysts, which analyzed Truman as, quote, a prototypical adolescent at the beginning of the movie, but he feels trapped into a familial and so- social world where he tries to conform while being unable to identify with it, believing that he has no other choice other than the fantasy of fleeing to a faraway island. Eventually, Truman gains sufficient awareness of his condition to leave home, developing a more mature and authentic identity as an adult, leaving his child self behind to becoming a true man. So that's that's pretty interesting, Mm. right? Mm. Maybe that's why he has that name. I don't know why he has that name. Truman just seemed like a good name. But maybe, 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 if I may jump off the deep end for a minute here, maybe this film represents a psychotic break. In full disclosure, I've never snapped completely, but every time I do this podcast, I come uh, pretty close. But <laughs> this Tumadrude, he's had enough. He's had enough and he's snapped. And I think we've all had not a severe moment, but brief moments where like, uh, this isn't working. I want out. So big old spoiler ahead. He actually does get out of his simulation. He breaks free. He gets, he gets, uh, there's this almost hero's journey type of thing where he gets on a boat and he goes out, sails as far as he can into the water. And then the show's director or producer, which, whichever it is, is staring down at him and watching his every move. Cause that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And he hits him with like hurricane force winds. And there's this scene where they're like, Oh, we've, we've never hit him with uh, a category five hurricane storm force gale with all this rain coming down. He's like, go ahead and hit him with it. 
<laughs> so he's getting pelted by all this random wind. And eventually it clears out because the director's like, all right, you know what? He's going to get out. This is just the way it's going to have to be. And there's this door. It's painted like a, a sky of some sort. And he walks up these stairs, which is really kind of strange because you're you, in, within the film, you're, you're assuming like this is all an island up until the point where like, oh, there's an outside world and there's this door that opens up. And then you see him saying, if I don't see you, <laughs> good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And it's, oof, walks out the door and that's the end of the film. So, <laughs> whew, we did it. And maybe there's some religious overtones there too with uh, with him screaming at God because he's unhappy with his lot in life. Um, but we're just gonna we're just gonna sidestep that all together because that's an ugly argument to have. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we hit on a lot of subjects. What are your what are your closing thoughts about this film? Uh oh, what I say? Hey again. That's right, Nick. Go go fact yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Nick didn't say anything wrong. I just thought I would add a fun little tidbit before you guys wrap things up. Ooh. Um, so Truman is originally an old British name. Mostly it means like loyal one or faithful man, which mm. I think is an interesting choice for a character who they expect to, you know, stay in their narrative. True man. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. it Thank you. <laughs> it is. That is fun. <laughs> Thanks. All right, boy. Well, I was I don't know. I was expecting a little more fun facts. <laughs> How dare hey, I that ask was for a more. fun one. That was a good one. Yeah. I was like, what the hell Truman? Harry Truman? I guess that was the only connection in my head. So I feel we would be flawed as to not mention um just like generalized anxiety and mm. how this movie almost um confirms people's generalized anxiety oh um, yeah there's a big section on the wikipedia article about this too okay i i haven't read the wikipedia article but that does make I me have. feel smarter um, <laughs> you hit it but like anyone who has ever like experienced that sort of fear of like somebody's watching me or like i'm not alone right now or like, oh, for sure, like everybody saw that. Um, even like a main character syndrome or like narcissism all stem from this idea that um, is kind of portrayed in Truman or the Truman show. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would be we would be flawed to not kind of mention that that stuff is very serious and if you're feeling it you should seek help and for anybody out there who's seen the truman show and fears that their life is a uh sitcom of some sort know that i have no idea who you are and that should be confirmation enough that you're probably good but are you just saying that <laughs> damn it <laughs> No, there's actually listen, an entire like snippet. Listen to me right now, Rebecca. If you're, <laughs> I know you're listening right now to, to me say these words. Don't change the channel. Don't let them buzz me out. Are they buzzing me out? Right? Hey, you can still hear me, right? This isn't. None of this is real. <laughs> yeah, this podcast isn't real. It's all 
Maybe it's just made up. This podcast know. isn't real. I'm not real. Nick's not real. Michael's not real. We're never going to stop doing this. We don't exist. We only exist in the virtual reality. Mm-hmm. We're all AI. Go fuck yourself. Yep. We're just three <laughs> different like machine learning AIs just trying to have a conversation back and forth. Yep. <laughs> I'm just assuming some more We'll be here forever. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a big old section at the bottom of the Truman Show's Wikipedia article uh, that states that some people have experienced since this movie came out what is called like Truman Syndrome or something like that, where they think mm-hmm. they're being watched all the time and there's, you know, just having delusions, which is obviously something that, to seek mental help about. Um, yes. And I think that America was kind of experiencing its own crisis if you want to call it that because it at the at the tail end of the 90s like think about it we we're feeling pretty good about ourselves mm-hmm. but i think there was some kernel in the back of our head that like oh we did some bad stuff in the past and maybe i feel a little like an imposter and then of course you know you have 9-11 happen and people people were like oh my goodness we had this like time of reckoning where we thought we were the biggest baddest people on the block and then 9-11 happens and it's like oh we started having all this anxiety, anxiety about like terrorism attacks happening and people kidnapping our kids. And mm-hmm. I mean, heck we were raised by it. So, uh, long story short, this is an American film. It's about America. <laughs> <laughs> it's about American anxieties and American dreams too. Uh, it's kind of a poetic way to wrap it up, I think, but the world can watch us at the leisure. Of course, we're, we're available on the YouTube, the Spotify, the Instagram, Apple, What's happening? Apple Play Podcast? Google Play. Apple Store Podcast. What's happening right now? Uh I don't I don't know. I'm trying to end the episode in some kind of nice bow. Um you got anything else? I have a I have a quick this to do. Oh, you do? <laughs> Why are you doing the sign off? I do it every week. Guys, if you have something that you want to entertain us with, uh why don't you send us what? an email? Entertain this podcast at gmail.com. Do I not have to do a quick this this week? (laughs) (laughs) No, please do your quick this. Uh, If you guys didn't catch our episode last week, um, at least for the moment, we've cut a promotional spot Mm -hmm. because we no longer have anybody to promote. Uh, because of the fall of our network, the scene snobs. Um, so uh, we're going to just jump straight into the quick this. Last week we talked about um, uh, Inside. We had part two where we talked about intermission to the end. If you didn't see it, you should go check that out. But because I led that conversation, as is tradition for these 75 episodes of this podcast, mm-hmm. I shall now grace the ending of this episode uh I shall th- throw a metaphorical champagne bottle at the ass of Nick's ship, sending it on its way into the ether with a quick this. And I will do so once somebody has a timer brought up. Shit. Oh, fuck. Okay. The uh, panic! He caught us uh, off guard. Done. Got it. Oh, he's quick. Three, two, one, go. He's quick this. Hey, guys, it's me. I really struggle with coming up with something to talk about on the quick this. Um, but this conversation and uh, the Truman Show altogether has actually sort of thrusted me into a topic which I would love to talk about. Um, I want to talk about a celebrity who actually has suffered from Truman Show or like the the Truman kind of mental illness that we had talked about. What was it called, Nick? 
Uh, I don't know. The it's Truman called Truman effect. Syndrome. Truman Syndrome. Sure. Um, someone who's actually outspoken about it. Uh, I want to talk about David Andrew Bird, Truman Show also Delusion. known Sorry. also known as uh, by his stage name, which is Lil Dicky. Mm. He is a rapper. Uh, he's an American rapper who made his fame through YouTube. Uh, after releasing his song Ex-Boyfriend on April 25th, 2013, which gained over 1 million views in 24 hours, which is a huge feat Mm -hmm. Um, that sort of bursted him into stardom and led him to eventually create his album Professional Rapper on July 31st of 2015. But let's talk just a little bit about Lil Dicky while we're here. Um, He was born in uh, Philadelphia and grew up in an upper middle class Jewish family. Uh, and things are about to get a little graphic, so just be ready. He was born with a tangled urethra and hyposedaneous. I'm not a doctor, but your doctor would know what that is. <laughs> in, in which the urethra does not open from its usual location um, and requires multiple surgeries to fix. And in doing so, he was sort of messed up down there. Um, he instead embraced this naming himself Lil Dicky and facing his greatest fear which was his own genitalia ah. um, and decided to rise above it wow uh, his interest in music however started when he was listening to hop hop hip hop and alternative rock and he began rapping in the 5th grade to do a history report sort of an Alexander Hamilton esque <laughs> spin but <laughs> we do we love hop hop <laughs> and so so he kind of got into the rap game uh super early on now that isn't what he always wanted to do he actually wanted to write uh comedy actually he says that he initially started his rap career simply to get attention comedically so that he could write movies and tv shows and act now in doing this he fell in love with rapping and he claims that he's not leaving the game until he's proven his point, whatever that point may be. Maybe the fact that he has a tiny penis. Um, <laughs> what I want to talk about, however, is number one, his album, which is Professional Rapper, in which he goes through sort of the uh, first year of being a rapper. And this includes songs like um, where he goes over how like nobody wants to rap against him. No one's his enemy. So he's his own worst enemy. But most importantly, the finale of the album is called Truman. It is about how he saw himself as a Truman-esque character as a child. And he thought that he was this like huge deal. Um, Like he would get in the mirror and talk to people. He would talk to the audience because he thought people were was watching him and that he thought he was meant for these great things because of this uh, Truman syndrome that he had developed. Now, granted, uh, at the end of the day, he was right. He ended up becoming a big star. He ended up uh, making like all of these awesome projects. But to do so, he had to kind of find inspiration from the Truman Show and push himself to that level of stardom. Um, His Truman-esque attitude towards himself actually led him down the path of narcissism becoming sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy in the case that 
he put literally everything above or he put everything under his rap career. He thought that he was so great and he was destined to be this great rapper. So he gave up relationships. He ended up doing like all of this stuff that wasn't so great in order to become this professional rapper. All of this is covered in his TV show that released in 2020 called Dave, which is a sort of autobiographical autobiographical uh, um, story of his life. It's now in its second season, and we've gotten to a part of an arc where his narcissism starts to get in the way, and he starts not being able to take care of himself. And you should go check that out. Nice. Whoa. Nice. I had no idea about him. Yeah. <laughs> Today I could probably I do a whole, ep- a whole episode on him, maybe, but I don't know if I could. And also, the second season of a show isn't done yet. But I watch it every Thursday. It comes out Thursdays on Hulu. I get myself a large uh, chicken fried rice from Casual Chinese. Get myself a nice code red Mountain Dew, and I sit down. I have a little Alex hour where I sit and I watch Dave. I figure out what's going on with Dave life. I figure out if he's figured. I, I I try to figure out whether or not he's become a good person yet. Um. The answer in season two is usually no. Uh, but the fact that this show is written by Dave, David Bird, um, tells me that there is a level of self-awareness to him as a person. So I imagine the character will get there over time. Um, so it's a it, the first season's all about like comedy and like becoming successful and the road to success. But the second one is about the sort of fall from grace once you get there and realize maybe you're not meant for all of the stuff that you thought you were meant for. Maybe you just got lucky a couple times. Um, I feel like that is a really good message for anybody who's out there trying to make anything out of uh, their own entertainment or their own art um, is to approach it with class and dignity and never assume that anything is guaranteed. Um, So you guys should check out Dave. (laughs) That's my quick this. We currently have three viewers. What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in for my uh, rant about a rapper named Lil Dicky and his tangled <laughs> urethra. I really appreciate it. Um, anybody got that. anything before I do our sign-off? No. Nope. No, thank you for uh, for listening. But thank you for <laughs> thank you for telling me about Lil Dicky because I didn't know Check about him. him. I'm not he's real very big cool. into the hip-hop, as you know. He is. He's a really... He breaks a lot of the... Uh, he breaks out a lot of the cages that rap has formed around their 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 stars. A lot of the like getting bitches, having money, like he he writes songs that are counter to those. Mm-hmm. Like he's like I'm Jewish and <laughs> I'm I'm frugal and I don't want to spend all that money and like he does an entire rap about how he saves all his money and he does everything the cheap way and then he has a song called Personality with um it actually it features uh oh what's the rapper's name? He's super famous for auto tuning. T Pain. T Pain. Oh. It features T Pain. <laughs> and it, it it's the the hook, quote unquote, the the singing in it is um we ain't never been ballers, but we get in pussy with our personalities. <laughs> uh, and the idea is like we're not like tough shit. We're not like super hot. We just have really good personalities. We make people laugh and people's parents like us. So that's how we get bitches. Um, (laughs) So it's pretty funny. Um, You should go check it out. He's trying to bust out the rap game and do things different, (laughs) which he says in his first song, professional rapper featuring Snoop Dogg. This dude's got like a crazy first album. He's got all these like super famous features. It's incredible. Um, That's real ball. I'll have to check out his stuff. I like that. Yeah, you'll have to check it out. 
anyway, let's close this episode. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, if you have anything that you want to see us maybe go over in the show, something we haven't covered, something you think we'd like, something you just want to hear our opinions on, you can send us suggestions. Our email is entertainthispodcast.gmail.com. There's also our website, entertainthis.net, and at the bottom of it, there's a super helpful little questionnaire that you can fill out, and it sends it straight to our email in case you don't want to log on and come up with what to say. All you have to do is put your name, put a little message, and we'll check that out. You can also get in contact with us through Twitter. We are entertain underscore this on Twitter, uh, we are also on Instagram. Our Instagram is Entertain This Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube. We live stream there every, uh, it used to be Thursdays. It's feeling like Wednesdays now, but sometimes it might be Thursdays. So turn on those bell notifications. Uh, hit that subscribe button while you're there too. We like that. I'll be releasing a, um, a series of Let's Plays on I Have No Mouth, But I Must Scream uh, mm-hmm. as I prepare for next month's episode. Hey, that was Siri. Because I said series. Fun fact. They're always listening. Um, but you can also check out our page on Facebook. Uh, we are at Entertain This Podcast. You can find our little page a little closer here. Um, Anthony Eversall said he considers himself an anti-rapper um, hmm. in reference to Lil Dicky, which is also true. Mm-hmm. You should definitely check out that. So... <laughs> There you go. <laughs> that was like an impromptu uh, episode to entertain this. I like that. Entertain <laughs> us so we can entertain you and you can entertain this. Impromptu is such a dirty word. Like, <laughs> like no, this is a good episode. We had a no, conversation. No, no. I was talking about how you were like, hey, here's Lil Dicky. You should go check him out. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go check him out now. I'm going to go entertain this. <laughs> entertain it. See you next Friday. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> This episode of Entertain This was written by Nick Mustikangas, with additional commentary from Alex Steele and Michael Savoya. Our showrunner and resident fact checker is Chloe Price. Our theme music is Brush Bubble by Aaron Spencer, with additional interstitial music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.